All right, so I wanna talk about a topic today that is probably gonna ruffle some feathers, all right? <laughs> and, um, but this has everything to do with what it takes to become sovereign. I, again, like this podcast is all, right now is focused really intensely on like, what does it take for an individual in a family to become free? Another way to say that is to become sovereign. And, uh, and so today's episode is sovereign individuals and families are able to think for themselves. I know it sounds like a simple concept, a simple topic, but most people in our society, the vast majority, uh, they don't think for themselves, which might surprise you, right? Like America, we, we pound our chest and we say we're, we're all individuals, right? And everyone's trying to be authentic, <laughs> yeah. like my authentic self, right? It's like a, a buzzword these days. Um, and so we kind of like mask our actions under this, like we're being so individual. Um, but in reality, uh, there's actually a, a startling few people that show true um, competency for thinking and developing thoughts for their, on their own, right? It, there's an art to like seeing what opinions are out there, observing truth, scrutinizing opinion, and then taking all these inputs and formulating your own opinion um, that you can test and try and works its way into your um, rigid philosophies, right? And so there's very few people that can do that. Even though everyone kind of pounds their chest and says that they do it, there's very few people that do it. Um, and why is that? Because the vast majority of people actually don't want to think for themselves. They, they would rather not. Um, so I, I've been, I read a book by Eric Hoffer, The True Believer. And there's a quote in that book um, that kind of captures this idea. And, and it says this, so quote, For the majority of people cannot endure the barrenness and futility of their lives unless they have some ardent dedication or some passionate pursuit in which they can lose themselves. So, close quote. All right, so that, that's the quote that I, I wanna kind of dissect and talk about today. Uh, and what I, what I have personally observed is that most people do not live lives that are very meaningful. Uh, they live lives that are they're on autopilot, They've been given social scripts about like what you are expected to do, what your duties are, or like your, you know, based on what you've seen your parents do, or what what everyone does in in your hometown or in your church or in your, you know, fill in the blank, right? It's like you've been given these scripts, and and you've kind of like many people have adopted those scripts, and so they're just kind of following their life on autopilot. And I've been in this boat too, right? It's we, we, we went to college, we got a corporate job, we kind of started working up our way, way on the ladder. We bought a, a really beautiful house and we had a couple cars, we were in the suburbs, we, had, we started our family, had kids, and we kind of lived in this suburban life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let me just preface this by saying there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that for me at least, I got to a spot where it was feeling, um, mm, like a little hollow. And so I say, well, why is that? Because there's nothing inherently wrong with this lifestyle. So why am I feeling hollow? And for me, 
when I when I had the courage to kind of be vulnerable and ask those questions, and my wife and I were were asking each other these questions, right? Um, what we came to realize is that we were we were seeking a life of comfort. You know, we'd been given social scripts and cues, and we were just kind of following those on autopilot. And every like most decisions that we were making, we we're trying to build more and more comforts into our life. Um, again, like there's nothing inherently wrong with the life that we were leading. It's just that our approach was wrong, and and we wanted to live a life that was meaningful. And so, um, and I'll get. And I'll talk about like what what does that mean and what does it look like later, um, and kind of like some strategies on how you do that. But the result for us was a lot of scary decisions that were uncomfortable and new and different, and led us to talk to people we wouldn't normally talk to. We had to say goodbye to friends that um, were were and are good people, but um, were you know had a philosophy that was kind of keeping us where we were at, and so. We left some friendships behind, we adopted some new friendships, we changed our geographic location, and we changed our habits. And, and then all these things started to change our mind and our beliefs. And, and so um, it, it challenged some old beliefs, it challenged some old assumptions, and, and through that process we were able to um, grow into le- living a very intentional life. We're, and we're not done, by the way, and so I hope when I say this you don't like start looking at everything we're doing and, and just immediately try to find our flaws or something, because there's plenty of flaws there. Like You're not going to have to look too far to find flaws in how we live and who we are. Like We're still flawed characters that we're, we're trying to get better every single day. But the, the point is, is we are on an intentional path to do that, and so there's... I think that there's very few things in our life today, habits, rituals, um, beliefs, and philosophies that we have not examined deeply. And you know, again, while we're imperfect and flawed people, um, I think you know, for us, what it means to like live authentically is to like really hold all these beliefs under scrutiny. And come to our our based on all of our, the stuff that we've been taught and learned, and in our own life experience, come to our own conclusion about what beliefs should stay and what should go. Okay, and um, all right, and so that's all to preface and kind of talk about this topic. Of most people, do not do that. Most people accept, um, you know, we can call it faith, if you will, blindly. And, and when I say the word faith, I don't want you to get hung up on like just a set of religious beliefs. So that's certainly included, right? But um, you, like people have faith in a, a system of government, right? You have faith in a currency, right? That a dollar, I'm looking at a $20 bill right now. The inherent value of, of that is like zero. It's a piece of paper, right? And, and this piece of paper, like a piece of computer paper, which is bigger than this. So sorry, <laughs> the recording got cut off. Um, I, like I said, I'm looking at a $20 bill. It's smaller than the size of computer paper. Computer paper is probably worth like, for one penny, we'll probably buy you 10 sheets of paper or something, right? And so a $20 bill is basically worth nothing, okay? But it represents $20 worth of value. 
and um, and the whole reason that is is because as a collective society we just agree that it's worth that <laughs> and it's backed by a government that we have trusted right that that they are going to ensure that this worthless piece of paper is actually worth twenty dollars right so like that's that that's another example of faith okay so when i when i use the word faith i'm not i'm not exclusively talking about like a, a set of religious beliefs it certainly includes that but like faith is really your entire operating system for your life which includes your religious beliefs right but it also includes like your attitude on government your attitude on money your attitude on marriage your attitude on your family relationships your attitude towards your friendships your attitude towards who you are in the community your attitude towards your job and your employer and um like everything like every aspect of your life like how do you treat people how uh what is your purpose of life right things like that it's like your entire operating system and everything that makes it up i'm going to call faith okay and so um most people have blind faith i would say right they they have this operating system and they haven't taken a hard look at everything in that operating system and so therefore you're following it blindly you don't understand how it works. You don't understand why it works. You don't understand if it's working for you or against you. <laughs> so you're just you're just following it, okay? And, and again, that's not always a bad thing, right? Even even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while. But um, for most people, it's not serving them super well. And uh, and so this is why I'm saying I know this is this concept is ruffle is going to ruffle a lot of feathers. I'm not I'm not here to like try to appease people but you know we always get asked the question of how how we're structuring our life to be sovereign and to be free so this is how it's done you have to start by you know looking at your beliefs and, and why this all matters is because if you are going on blind faith you will always you will always be subject to manipulation always and, and by the way, I'm also going to throw another caveat in here. Like my wife and I, after having examined all of our operating systems and and you know philosophies and beliefs and stuff, we we are um, we are religious people. So we actively go to a church and we actively study the scriptures. And so we realize that there still are unknowns. <laughs> uh, but it, it does bother me when people accuse us of of having blind faith because we're not. There's always going to be stuff, whether in a religious context or in a human relationship or in something about how you conduct your life, like you cannot know everything. So on the topic of belief, right, it, it's really silly that people like choose not to go down a religious path simply because you don't have all the answers. Like you, you can never have all the answers in a marriage. You don't know how the other person is going to change or if they're going to be healthy forever or who's going to die first or like if they're going to have a mental health breakdown. Like you just can't, you don't have all the answers. So at some point, every aspect of life is going to have an element of unknown and like hope and trust. And so um, like don't don't get me wrong. When I when I kind of jab at people with blind faith, it's not that we don't have aspects of our life that are like not figured out yet or like philosophies and tenets that like we can't 
provide scientific hard-backed evidence for every single thing it just means that we've we've looked at it we've scrutinized it and for us when we say is this serving us well is this going to help us get to the spot where we want to go the stuff that we keep in our religious faith and every other part of our operating system and, and belief and philosophy is only things that are going to help us become the best people we can be or the or the people that we want to grow into the people that we want to become so um Sure, there's stuff that we don't know, right? But I, I do not think that, you know, that means us or any other person like on an intentional journey. I don't believe that that means you have blind faith. <laughs> when I say blind faith, I mean people who are just, just accepting things um, without scrutiny, okay? And so they, they, you kind of inherit or assume like beliefs and social scripts. And uh, if you don't, if you don't truly make those yours through like uh a scrutinizing process, then then that's what blind faith is. So most people uh, wander around with a high degree of blind faith, and so therefore they're subject to manipulation. And um, and so I want to share a story that. Um, well, before that, I want to ask this question: It's like how many of us know someone, know people who jump quickly from like fad to fad, or like strong belief to strong belief? Okay, like, um, you know, like when Will Smith hit Chris Rock and now they're like I'm boycotting all of Will Smith's movies forever right <laughs> and it's like you know less than like 1% of what actually happened um, and yet you're gonna like make this rash decision and die on the hill of anti Will Smith or something right? and I'm just using one example it's just like the thing that popped into my head <laughs> right but we all we all probably know people who they'll for like a solid week or two weeks they're like ardently you know, backing that cause, and then something else happens, and then they're just on to the next thing. And they are like just so passionate about whatever for like a week, two weeks, maybe even a couple months or something, and then it's like they're hopping from that to the next thing and the next thing. Um, right? Who, how many of us know someone like that? Probably all of us. Um, now, let's be honest. Do you display this quality too? Right? Is there some piece of you that also you know takes your your news from social media and you you read something and just like you <laughs> you wholeheartedly dive right into it right and you just kind of die on that sword um, if that's you then then this episode's for you too right it's like just pay attention just listen to this there's a difference between fad jumping and testing okay like my, my wife and I over, I don't know, the last like five years certainly, maybe longer, right? We, we have tried all different forms of eating and we're always experimenting because we want to be the healthiest people we can be. And so like we ate vegan for a year and then we, we just did 75 hard. And during that, we, we chose to be like sugar-free, grain-free. And we've done paleo, we've done keto, we've done like all these other things. And so in order to do it, right you need to like stick with it for a period of time like at least months and just see if there's results and so like for a period of time you kind of dive right in and geek out and like you know become a believer of this style of eating and maybe you tell your friends and then you anyway like I, we have been there where we're testing different things and there's something different about testing and trying and experimenting 
there's something different between that and like fad jumping, right? Like with um, when you're like trying things out or you know like searching for the right style of eating or the right religious system or the right way to you know school your kids or you're exploring the career path that's right for you. So you're trying different I don't know majors in college or different jobs and things like that. There's there's a different like there's a curiosity when you're testing things and a humility too right it's like I'm, I'm open to this I'm going to learn I'll share what I'm learning um, but I'm you know I'm not going to just ardently say that just this is the one and only thing and I'm going to judge everyone who's not doing this <laughs> like I'm testing this to see what I can you know what works and what I should kind of keep and then the parts of it that I shouldn't keep I'm going to leave behind while I look at the next thing and, and so you kind of like that like life is a big experiment like that that's different from fad jumping where you quickly jump into something and anyone who doesn't immediately agree with you you're going to judge them uh, and and this becomes like the hill that you will die on and every three months you're finding a new hill to die on so that's that's different right um, so why is this the case like why is this and what does this have to do with um, you know, sovereign individuals and sovereign clans well let me t there there's a story that I um, that I've become aware of recently and, and it's the story of let's call it the third wave so there was a teacher his name was Ron Jones who was he's a history teacher in Palo Alto California in 1967 so quite a long time ago and one day in 1967 he was teaching history in his class and he's talking to they're, they're talking about the Holocaust which remember the Holocaust happened at that point it, it hadn't even been two decades yet since the end of the Holocaust so um, the students in class they were born after World War II so they didn't really have they, they weren't it wasn't like the horrors are fresh on everyone's mind right and in class the students are asking good questions of their teacher Ron Jones and one of the students or a couple of them are really saying like how is this possible like how can how can you know the Nazi killing machine dispose of 10 million people and yet it only represented less than 10% of the German population who participated in that so like this tiny minority it, it seems to be shouting so loudly and then they commit crimes so heinously that it, you know to the tune of murdering 10 million people and then most of the German people claim that they did not know it was happening like how can you kill 10 million people um, with like how can you hide that like, how can you turn a blind eye to that how can you claim that you just had no inkling that 10 million people were killed and so this has like a discussion that's happening in their history class in 1967 and Ron Jones uh, is on a Friday that they had this discussion um, he's gonna so over the weekend everyone goes home and Ron Jones um, is kind of contemplating this like how can I get through to my students how can I how can I teach this to my students that fascism you know is not something that was unique to it's not something that the Germans did it's a it's a part of like human uh, a human condition that when people are not thinking for themselves and when they're when they're frustrated and vulnerable and they're making themselves vulnerable to manipulation that they can 
you know, get caught up in this groupthink um, era and, and really heinous bad things can happen that they do that they would never ever do if they were acting on their own. So uh, he's kind of like wrestling with this, like how can I get this concept across to my students? And he, he said, okay, I, I'm gonna do a, a social experiment on Monday when everyone comes into class. And so he does. So on Monday, um, everyone comes back to class and he, he teaches them about, he just talks about discipline the whole day, right? And he, he takes them through different exercises like, you know, if we're a disciplined people, then we're gonna get ahead and be successful. Discipline, 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 like that's the thing that matters. And so he, he makes them sit up straight and, and kind of sit in a, a way that not very many people sit and it's kind of uncomfortable, but it like forces them to think really hard on their posture. And then he, he comes up with another rule, like you, you must answer or ask questions in this format. You must stand at the side of your desk and you must say my name first and then you must, you only get three words to ask a question and you only get three words to state an answer. So it's like he comes up with these rules that they have to like focus really hard on and it, it fosters this discipline, right? And so the kids at first, I mean, they're normal high school kids, right? They're slouching and they're like, oh, this is silly and, and dumb, right? Or lame, but but they get kind of caught up in it. And, and they actually, by the end of that one class are like, everyone's participating, everyone's obeying the rules, everyone's doing it, and they, and they kind of enjoy it. Um, and so Ron Jones comes back the next day. He was just intending to spend that one day on it. He had other content, you know, <laughs> to teach, so he's gonna move on. But when he shows up to class the next day, his entire class is sitting there, and they're, they're all sitting in this kind of, you know, upright, slightly contorted position, like ready to learn. And so he's like, okay, when he, he decides instead to continue the social experiment. And so in day number two, he talks about you know, strength through community and how everyone needs to stick together and obey these rules. And if someone's not obeying the rules, then they should be reported and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, the experiment only lasted five days. Um, and again, it's not like all day, right? You're just in one class period. So I, what's that, just an hour? I mean, I don't know how the, the class in Palo Alto, California was like. I don't know if they, they sit all day with the same teacher. Well, they can't, right? Because they had, it, he was just the history teacher. So I'm guessing it was like an hour, maybe two hours a day for five days. But by the end of the week, um, the students who, you know, they, they're now like believing strength and discipline, strength and community, strength and taking action together. They came up with a secret name for their class called The Wave. They identified in this as part of this community. Naturally, on their own, the students kind of organized into like, well, you're the spies and you're the people that make sure that the rules get followed. And then it just kind of crossed the line and got out of control. And so on Friday, the teacher, Ron Jones says, all right, I, ha I was saving this secret, but it's you've, you're part of this national movement of students just like you that have been selected to be the future leaders of the nation and I'm going to introduce you to your new leader and so everyone's all hyped up and again like because of all the hype there was actually acts of violence there was threats going on there's like recruiting everyone's like you know their class normally has like 50 people in it maybe and by the end of the week you had routinely 200 people attending his class just crammed into his class 
And um, so at the end of the week, he's like, I'm going to introduce you to your leader. And, and then he turns on the monitor screen and, and it's a clip of Hitler. <laughs> and then he says basically like, hey, just kidding. This was a joke. I wanted to teach you through this social experiment that you are also capable of fascism. Um, and it, it just has everything to do with you having an impressionable mind, me being a strong authority figure and introducing thing, concepts like discipline, community above the individual and things like that, right? So he kind of like, like, anyway, just kind of unsettling, right? This actually happened. It's a true story. It happened in 1967. They documented this in a dramatic um, movie. It's a short movie, 45 minutes long, uh, called The Wave, and it came out in 1981. So you can look that up. Uh, I think somebody has posted it for free on YouTube, so you can kind of look up 1981, The Wave. And then in 2010, they did a full-length documentary about this. Of course, like now the peop the kids who were in that class are now like in their their mid seventies or their eighty or something like that. So they're they're older, but they're remembering what it felt like to basically be manipulated in this social experiment. So it's really fascinating. But when you look at like what happened here, like in five days, and again it's not like all day, it's just like one hour, two hour a day that they're spending in class, but they they went from you know, individual thinkers to like all in on this like fictitious um, movement that was supposedly sweeping the nation, right? And, uh, and, and it's kind of scary, but when you dissect that, you realize that they, they um, you know, in high school kids, these adolescents were in like a mental state where they are wanting to fit in they feel kind of frustrated with their current position because they'd rather not sit in high school they'd rather go out into the world and you know do something else um, and so they're in this like mental state to be manipulated and so my what i am setting forth today in this podcast is that many many people don't grow out of that many many people they're sitting in a, a job that they don't like, they're working with people that they don't like, or they're, they're a parent and they're dissatisfied with themselves at home all the time, or you're not married and you wanna be, or you're married and you don't wanna be, or you're married and you wanna have kids and you can't, right? It's like people kinda are sitting in frustration for a long time and for many years and there's kind of like sitting in this spot of like bah and you feel it, the reason the frustration is there is because you feel like your prime your best years are being wasted you feel like you should be doing something bigger or better or more and so it creates a feeling of like you desire to be led you desire for someone else to create a thing a movement that that creates strong community that you can feel meaning in. <laughs> and so it, it makes a lot of people susceptible to the next thing that will give them that, right? Community, it, it really doesn't matter with many people if it's true or not, because they're not interested in like the result. I mean, they're not interested in, in the actual 
like doctrine, if you will, or wh whatever you want to say to call the movement, they're really just interested in being part of a strong community where they can almost lose, shed the parts of themselves that they're not satisfied in and become part of, of, of a bigger whole. So like, what does all this have to do in this podcast? Like we're, this podcast is about like, how do you become a sovereign individual? And, and of course there's strategies about like financial freedom. Like how do I invest properly? There's like, how do I work remotely? How do I, you know, build my own company? How do I make money online? How do I, um, how do I fix my marriage? Or how do I take my kids out of school and homeschool them? Or, you know, like of course there's tips and strategies and stuff like that. And you're gonna hear me talking about all that. But none of that matters unless you work on yourself first. You need to become a thinker. You need to examine your beliefs, examine who you are, because that the beliefs are what brought you to exactly where you're at now. And if you don't change those first, it doesn't matter what hack or what strategy or what investment you do, right? It doesn't matter because you're gonna end up in the same spot again unless you change your your mindset and your beliefs. Okay. So I wanted to cover that today because um, like in today's society, I I don't, I probably, it's probably now painfully obvious to you these kind of hype movements that happen that are just, you know, sucking the attention of everyone left and right, okay? And they've probably sucked your attention too. Like just yesterday, I was doing a service project. Um, we were baking some bread. Or we baked like a several hundred loaves of bread. And uh, it was super fun. And as I'm there, I'm chatting with someone who, who's there serving and this young mother, she's excited to send her child to kindergarten and she, they live in California. And there, she was talking about like, I'm really excited but I'm nervous because they do gender week there. And I'm like, well, what's gender week? Um, and it, it's an entire week where the teacher, so this is kindergarten, a teacher with a bunch of five-year-old kids talks about, goes in depth with, you know, the possibility that your parents may have assigned you a gender at birth that isn't right or isn't your true gender. And so this week we are going to create this space to, you know, explore your gender fluidity. This is five-year-old kids, five-year-old kids in a room for a whole week. And by the way, kindergarten is not like the high school experiment I just told you where you're with them for an hour or two hours like even half day you're with the same teacher for four hours a full day we're talking seven eight hours right so a teacher like one authority figure is with a group of impressionable five-year-olds who are not gonna stand up like <laughs> like they are not gonna stand there's not in a mental they don't have the mental tools to you know, resist this, right? And so they're just gonna sit there for a whole week. So eight hours a day times five, right? So 40 straight hours of, of this. In, in my mind, this is nothing short of child abuse. Sorry if that ruffles your feathers, it's who I am. Um, right, like, it, it, it just is. Like this, you take a group of people who are highly malleable and impressionable, and then you stick them with an authority figure who's going to 
you know, ask them calculated questions and, and in their suggestible, right, they're going to suggest things about them that might not be true at all. And anyway, it's just a recipe. It's just another example of many that we could point to of, you know, people being pulled and manipulated in a certain direction. So it's all concerning to me, um, but the solution is you know, develop the ability to think for yourself. Now the question is, all right, Stephen, how do we do that? Okay, well, I, I would suggest, like one of the ways to do this is to formulate a list of experiences that you wanna have that is gonna challenge your beliefs, right? Go on a trip, doesn't have to be to another country, just like visit someone else. You know, talk to someone who politically disagrees with you and commit to yourself that you're not gonna say one thing. Like just listen and understand. Just like, you know, do things that help your brain switch from a groupthink true believer mindset to a critical thinker where you examine beliefs, okay? And sometimes when you do this, you're gonna realize that the beliefs you have are actually good and they're serving you well and you want to keep them and that's great. Sometimes you're gonna do this and you're gonna realize someone else has a better way of approaching this than you. And so it's okay to be grateful for that, the belief that you had and change it going forward. <laughs> so that, that's my thought. It's like formulate a list first. Just like write down places that you wanna visit, people you wanna to talk to, skills that you wanna develop and, and just make this list and then pick something this week to go do and go do that thing and do it for the purpose of opening your mind and trying something different. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to, I'm not, I'm not advocating for like willy-nilly just abandoning everything you've ever known. <laughs> like that would be silly, okay? Um, I, I know people who on their like, they have a faith crisis and so they just like, you know, blow up and they just like unilaterally determine, they decide that like nothing that they used to believe is gonna remain and they just like, you know, walk away from it all. And that's that's the opposite of what I would suggest to do. Like part of who you are, you've got you've gotten here based on your beliefs and you're alive, you're listening to this podcast. So like there's there's some solid, awesome things about your beliefs that have gotten you here. So don't just willy-nilly destroy it all and but like you know, write down your list and then just systematically go through the list and try different things. Become a thinker. Think for yourself. And uh, that's what I have to say. So thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you on the flip side.